What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again with another classic pay-per-view review. But before we jump into that, and before I introduce the man who will be joining me for the pay-per-view review, I got something important I need to clear up here with uh, the listeners of The Booch Cast. I owe you guys an apology. Uh, last week, when we did Bash at the Beach, my head was not 100% in the game. I still felt the episode was good enough to put out there for you guys. I did eventually regroup as the show progressed, but for a good chunk of it, I was out of focus. I was not at my best work. And the reason was because right before Gator and I had sat down to record, we had a time that we had set up to record, I got a message through a site called Thumbtack. Now, for those of you who may not know, how Thumbtack works, you might have seen commercials for it, is most people who are independent contractors, whether they be entertainers like comedians, musicians, magicians, ventriloquists, or people who do plumbing work or yard work or construction, whatever it is, you can use Thumbtack to reach out to 
prospective employers. Basically, you put together a bio, you write who you are, how many years you've been doing something, how much you charge, and everything else. And you would also set up to, you know, how many leads you want and everything else. And the best part is there's no monthly fees or anything like that. The only thing you charge, they charge you money for is direct leads that they send you. Now, they also have leads that aren't direct. You can just happen to find them online and you can reach out to. But direct leads are people that specifically message you for your services. And I've been up there for the last... um two, three years, and I've gotten quite a, a lot of the gigs that I've gotten over the last couple of years that were private gigs that paid me were via Thumbtack. I've had corporate gigs. I it's the, the one where I dressed up as Buddy the Elf came from there. Uh, I did a bachelor party. I did a I did a Valentine's Day party. I've done I did a I did a private party in Tennessee a few months back, and then I got booked. And I actually took place. The time you're listening to this, it took place this past Saturday. At the time that we're recording this, the show has not happened yet. So this person messaged me. So I sent them a message. Hey, I'm available on the date and time. Feel free to answer me any questions you have. Now, normally when I send that out, I, I usually get a message within a day or two, or sometimes I have to constantly follow up with the person to make sure yes or no. Because that's the type of person I am. I'm going to follow up with you until I get a yes or no. I'm not going to stalk you. Like, I'm not going to do it every single day. But after about a week or so, I follow up with people because I want to hear a definitive yes or a definitive no before I proceed with the gig. Well, she said right away, call me. So what do I do? I call because I'm, you know, trying to get some money going. So we talked business. We had some laughs. We talked. We got to know each other. Uh, the person who booked me, really nice person. And Gator at one point was calling. I actually had to tell the lady, can you hang on for a second? She goes, yeah, sure. Well, I messaged Gator and told him, in the middle of doing business. And then while we're going through all that, while we're doing the show, I'm literally emailing her. She's watching my videos. She's sending me feedback on of, of the jokes I told, what jokes she want, she's okay with me telling. And certain jokes she says, you can't tell this at this event. You can't tell this at that event. You know, just letting me know what's off limits, which is professionally what you want to hear. Because anytime I do business with Thumbtack, there are three specific things I make sure are solid before I hang up that phone. First, we make sure the money's right. We agree on a price. Number two, what material do you want? Clean, edgy, can I go as far as I want? Is there anything that's off limits? Let me know so I can structure the set accordingly. And then number three, the address to the venue. Now, I will admit with everything going on, I hadn't quite gotten number three done, but obviously I'm going to have number three done before I get to the gig. Those are the three things I need to know so I know I need to map out how far of a drive is it, what time do I need to get up in the morning, what time do I need to be ready, all that stuff. So once I got the stuff I need, whatever they need, they can let me know. So I was going through all that with all that craziness, but... But now that I've already spoken and it's done with, I plan on being 100% focused into this pay-per-view review. So on that note, let me just say real quick, you can go to Thumbtack.com if you would like to book The Booch for your comedy show. Now, if you want a direct link to the page, just go to VinnyTheBooch.com, my website, VinnyTheBooch.com. Go to the contact section, and there is a button that you can click that will take you right to Thumbtack. And that is how you can book me. So there you go. There's all the booking information. That being said, let me welcome to the show uh, the man who joins me for the pay-per-view reviews. He is a entertainer of sorts. He is all over the place. So for the benefits of the Boochcast fans, please welcome to the show the one, the only, Gator Ricky Ross. And he stepped upon the black guy because he had a gun. What? Oh, hey, Mr. Budrelli. You didn't know I'm a, uh, Mr. Budrelli. You know I'm autistic, right? Um, 
I had my suspicions. Yeah, I'm autistic, man. I'm good. I'm good at being creative. I've always been creative. That's why I'm autistic. But anyway, I writ some books for the children. You writ some books for the children. Yes, I have a whole series of children's books. May I do a shameless plug? Sure, go ahead. I read them mine. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, kids. This is your Uncle Gator. Now, it's time for you to get Mommy and Daddy's money and buy all these wonderful books so they can read to their beds. Books like Why Some Animals Eat Their Young, A Survival's Guide to Motherhood. <clears throat> Mommy Got a DUI, A Kid's Guide to Getting Around on the Bus. <laughs> Mommy runs trains on the weekends with daddy's friends. We're not camping. Mommy and daddy lied. We're homeless. And then my newest book that I'm, I've been working on uh, right now is Clip Clop the Racist Horse Cop. The what? Clip Clop the Racist Horse Cop. Oh, my God. You should see that the, the uh, it's a wonderful cover. It's very colorful. It's a cop on a horse, and there's a black guy with the horse's hoof underneath. No, him, and the no, horse no, said, no, 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 no. Or my... Fa- or my favorite, my favorite, the first book I ever read, Dead Babies, a series of short life stories. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? What? I, th- why? You don't like, you don't like literacies? The fuck kind of book is that? It's, it's a collection of short life stories. That's, that's worse than the, how, how did you do a book? That's worse than the horse cop. That's the sad part. It's worse than the horse cop. No, this is what? This is so wrong. Why are you freaking out? These are beautiful. You can read these to your children. What parent in their right mind would read this to a child? I've got, Mr. Bridgman, I've got all sorts of great, great titles. The Berenstein Bears Hide from Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, chicken nuggets come from little chicken shit who didn't listen. <laughs> that's a good one. Smokey the Bear finds a prostitute. That's odd. Uh, Frosty the Bitch slapping snowman. I can see that. And then, and then Mr. B- Mr. Bugirelli's autobiography that I read, I read for him. I read, I read Mr. Bugirelli's autobiography. It's called Who Ate All the Damn Pizza Roll? <laughs> uh, Gator. If you wrote my biography, it's not an autobiography. Yes, it is, Mr. Bugirelli, because I read it in my car, an autobiography. That's not what autobiography means. I read it in my car. Anyway, okay, it's now time for some professional wrestling. Yes. Um, you can buy my books on GatorRickyRocks.com. Yes, go to GatorRickyRocks.com. Oh my yeah. God! So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are here for the classic pay per view review. What we do is uh, Gator and I we review classic pay per views from WWE, WCW, and ECW, and we look at them from the perspective of not just two people who are fans of pro wrestling, but also from the perspective of two people who work in the business. Gator is, of course, a wrestler, a referee, a manager. He's popped the popcorn. He's worked at a wrestling school. He's done booking. He pretty much has the industry covered. I myself have been a ring announcer, a commentator, a manager in and out of the oh, ring. Music. I've uh I've hung up posters, I've done sponsor stuff, I've done a lot of street team things that I never want to fucking do again. And I pretty much have the industry covered as well. So the pay-per-view that we're gonna be doing for this week is WCW Road Wild 1997. 
And I don't want to do that. Yes. Now, this, ladies and gentlemen, is part of something special we're doing. Um, from now until pretty much the middle of November, we're going to be hitting a bunch of 1997 pay-per-views in a row. So this was the pay-per-view that followed the bash at the beach that took place that we talked about last week. This was the pay-per-view right after. And it took place on August 9th, 1997 in Sturgis, South Dakota at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, which is where they held the Road Wild events every year. There was 6,500 people in attendance, and the tagline is, it's gonna be wild. Now, a little bit of it. Here's a little history lesson for some of you out there, uh, the histories. This pay-per-view, the year before when it debuted, used to be called Hogwild. But they had to change the name because Harley Davidson owned the term hog and basically sent them a cease and desist order. So they could not call it hog wild. They had to call it road wild. And what's funny is uh, Buff was the one who told me this story. And Kevin Sullivan was the one who confirmed that the story was, in fact, true. Not that I didn't believe Buff, but I definitely wanted a second opinion on that anyway. And Kevin Sullivan later told me, yeah, that's what happened. So that's why it looks confusing in certain situations when you're looking it up on the network or on Peacock because there's Road Wild and there's Hog Wild. So that's how that works. Anyway, uh, Gator, are you still there? Yes, I am here. Okay. Want to make sure you're still there and everything and uh, the reception's working because we're about to kick things off with our first official match of the evening. We got ourselves some tag team action. Harlem Heat takes on Vicious and Delicious with Vincent. So Vicious and Delicious are, or as I like to call them, VD. Our Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton. For the first half of 97, Buff was working a healthy stretch gimmick only wrestling five matches in as many months as he's doing. So he dropped that from a team. I am an idiot. I wrote this fucking weird. This match was full of slams. This match was full of, of just, it was good from a wrestling standpoint, from a technical standpoint, but the crowd was not into this. You could tell the crowd was just not into this. They weren't revving the bikes. This was just a simple match. I mean, Jacqueline gets involved, holds down Norton's legs, Booker T, one, two, three with cover. It wasn't what you would have expected from Buff and Harlem Heat. I mean, I, I mean, there were obviously I I enjoyed the match, but I also noticed that it's like each of the teams were playing their roles really well. It was like you know Scott and Stevie were the powerhouses of their teams, so they did a lot of big man stuff, and uh, Buff and Booker were like the the more the wrestlers. So they were doing a lot of drop kicks and clotheslines, and you know Buff is Buff kicked ass in this match. I'll say that I thought he did a very good job here. Um, obviously, you, you know just, you just saying that because he pays you. Shut up. Say what? So I'm saying that's what I enjoyed. I noticed Buff and Booker did a lot of the wrestling, and Scott and Stevie did a lot of the powerhouse moves. So while the tag match was basic. It did what it did to open the show. You know, I, that's what I felt. I felt like it was a good opener, you know, a way to get the crowd somewhat interested. And, of course, Miss Jacqueline coming out to join Harlem Heat and help them get the win was setting things up for what was going to happen in the future. So I thought it was I thought it was a decent match. Yeah. Yeah, it did what it needed to do. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We got a Mexican death match. Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Conan. God damn it, I love this. God damn it, I love this. Okay. Fast start, Rey Mysterio flips all over the place. Gets a springboard drop kick in. Digging Ray's gear, man. Ray's gear is perfect. 
Uh, Conan rallies back with a clothesline. Ties Ray's legs up in the rope. Ray comes into the match with a damaged knee. Ray gets into the rope. Uh, I mean, it's a it's, it's it's a death match. There shouldn't be any rope breaks. Ray walks it off. Slingshot back into two head scissors. Uh, Conan goes right back to the knee with a chop block. Conan really he's working this knee hard in this match. He is he's working the, trying to keep Ray grounded. Remember, Conan is not as much of a flyer as Ray is. Tanae points out that uh, some of these things that are happening in this match, like when uh, Conan is trying to go after Ray's mask, uh, the mask actually comes off, but they do a good job of hiding his face, and Tanae points out this would be a DQ in Mexico. Conan goes to a stump puller for a bit. Uh, Ray gets the arm drag. Conan casually tosses him across the ring with a belly-to-belly. Flash roll-up. Ray gets two. Dropkick to the knee of Conan. Uh, leaves both of them down. Ray hits another one, then heads up top. Gingerly climbing up. Gets caught on the way down. Tequila sunrise. Finish as Ray taps. Very slow match. As this was more of a Conan match than a Ray match, the psychology makes sense as Ray came in with a bad knee and Conan attacked the knee the entire match. Again, makes total sense, but it was a technically solid match. Now, some people would say this is boring because Ray didn't fly all over the fucking ring like a goddamn spot monkey. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed every minute of this. The only thing that was weird, it's a Mexican death match, and I'm going to let Vinny explain why. Go ahead, Vinny. All right. Um, where do I begin here? Uh, so, this is a Mexican death match. First of all, props to WCW for not involving a sombrero. Um, you. You'll find that out when that episode comes out at a later date. What I mean by that. And uh, it says, no DQ, there must be a winner. That's it. That's it. Shitty stipulations. Shitty stipulations. Already not happy before the bell rings. And I will say this. Um, we got Ray grabs the ropes and there's no rope break. Uh, my exact words were, finally some psychology here. Based on a lot of other pay-per-views I've been watching and some of them have aired, some of them have not yet. Um, nice to see no rope break and a fucking death match. Love that. Uh, and then apparently they talked about the story of Conan cutting ties with all the Mexican wrestlers for his own personal gain, which is why he joined the NWO. I also love the psychology of what Gator mentioned before, where, where about the mask and everything. Thing. What I love was Conan tried to take off Ray's mask, and every time he struggled with it, he would slam his face into the mat to keep trying to untie it. Instead of just being like, oh, he's still conscious, he's still awake, but he's not going to try as hard to fight off me. It's like trying to get this damn thing off, and he's struggling to fight it. So what am I going to do? Bam, bam, knock you unconscious, keep tying. Oh, wait, he's back up again. Bam, bam, freaking untying. Like anytime Ray got up, what did he do? Knocked him back out again so he could untie with no problems. Concept I wish other people would grasp. Psychology. And at one point, he power bombs him and then tries to untie it some more. My exact words, you wouldn't see that in AEW. No comment. The mask comes off, but he kept his hands in front of his face. Conan blocked the camera as he put the mask back on. Well done by both guys. I thought that was brilliant. Although, I will say, uh, I noticed that uh, Ray botched, of course, that double springboard moonsault. And I wrote there, he should have did a guillotine leg drop. I thought that would have been a better choice of a move rather than the yeah, springboard. It would have been great. Hello, children. This is Gator of the Future. <laughs> yes, We're uh, going to break the fourth wall for a second. 
All right. Vinny, tell the children. Uh, yes. If you're listening to this show, we're picking up uh, where we left off. But um, in the middle of uh, me thinking that blocking the camera shot was brilliant so no one would see Ray Mysterio's face and Ray botching the springboard moonsault, we had to take a little break because Gator had an emergency. My uncle was training some kids and had a fucking heart issue. So now we're recording this shit later down the road. Yes. That and a string of other things were like causing us to push the schedule. So now we're finally getting this together and as we speak uh, Gator is sounding weird because he's dealing with a stinger and I am currently sitting wrapped up in a towel with absolutely no clothes on um, I'm sorry I had to say that I know you're going to burn your corneas and have nightmares later but I don't give a fuck so we're getting this bitch done for posterity p- p- post- Vinny help posterity and the best part is this is audio so we don't have to do any continuity stuff so anyway I did like the fact he had a good leg pressed on top of the bad knee to add more pressure and Mike today's commentary here I thought was phenomenal the way he told the story of the pressure and everything else and you know it's just another reminder of how great of a commentator Mike Tanay was back in the day yes yes Mike Tanay was great unlike Tony Schiavone nowadays yes and then of course Ray tapped out yes and then of course uh, Ray tapped out to Tequila Sunrise as Gator mentioned before so overall which is bullshit which is bullshit okay I'm just saying if I have to put somebody over Conan it's gonna be Ray Mysterio side note where was the fucking sombrero we didn't a sombrero gator they where was the sombrero they didn't use a sombrero they use psychology and realism <laughs> by the way as i mentioned before there's a paper review coming out sometime in december that will explain why gator is preaching a sombrero all right and on that note ladies and gentlemen gator is not happy <laughs> okay can we move on now or do you got more ranting to do poor k <laughs> we got more matches left you cannot have a Mexican death match without tequila, a piñata, sombrero, quesadillas. Nobody was wearing a mask besides Ray. There was nobody in the crowd wearing a mask. It was Sturgis. They don't wear freaking masks. They should. It's a, it's a Mexican death match. They're hardcore bikers. And Essa Nota, we move on to the next match of the evening. Uh, it's a tag team elimination match. We have Steve McMichael and Chris Benoit. Versus Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko with Deborah. Yes, hold on. Momentito, momentito, momentito. Okay. Jarrett and Benoit start the match off for their teams. They lock up in the ring with Benoit getting the early advantage. He takes Jarrett down to the mat, but both men are quickly back to their feet. Malenko tags in, and Benoit takes him down with a shoulder block. They lock up. Both men show some athleticism before Benoit gets a kick to the gut. Benoit takes him down with an arm drag, but Malenko, he rolls him up for a two count. Needless to say, after this bullshit, there is a tombstone power driver and a diving headbutt before tagging McMichael back into the match. He picks up Malenko, hits another tombstone. One, two, three. After nine minutes and 39 seconds, Chris Benoit, Steve McMichael win. This match gets about two and a half stars from the Gator. This match was alright but I really hope that we are nearing the end of the McMichael-Jared feud. Milenko was isolated for almost the entire match because Jared was only legally in for less than about a minute. Obviously, Benoit and McMichael worked well together and make sure the best man was always in. I have no desire to see these gentlemen in the match again besides McMichael and Benoit squaring off. They are too good to be in the middle of this bullshit. Couldn't agree more. Okay, now based on this match, I was like, I had a bunch of different fucking 
spots in here. Questions. First of all, the rules of this match. It's a tag team elimination match. First of all, any tag team elimination match that has less than three people or four people in it, I'm not really interested. I don't. A regular tag match that's elimination, I always thought was stupid. It's just weird. It's awkward. It makes no sense. Um, but anyway, so the elimination occurs via pinfall, submission, or disqualification. Um, so there's no count outs in this match, I'm assuming. Like, I, I, this is a thing I need to understand about no, wrestling because in general. Wrestling, because in this, in this era, nobody gave a fuck. Yeah, because I want to say, because I know when those people say no disqualification, like, or it's like, no, you can be eliminated by pinfall, submission, or DQ. Is Are DQ and countouts supposed to mean the same thing? I I'm pretty sure countouts its own fucking thing. I, I notice how a lot of announcers and a lot of stipulation people tend to forget that shit, and I find it irritating. What I also notice in here is, of course, uh, Mongo doing the three-point stance tackle. I love that football spot from him. I really yeah, do. Yeah, it works with his gimmick. You know, he's he's the old football player. He, and, he t and he's always been a brawler in a lot of his matches, and he's very, very good at that. So, yeah, I've always loved how Steve McMichael stayed in his lane in that regard. It always made the match great. So I love the football style spot. And who pins himself to get eliminated, which I'm like, the fuck? That had to be fucking stupid. Yeah, old football player, yeah. You're in a feud with somebody and you let them pin you to eliminate you. That was kind of dumb. That doesn't fuck make it, sense. fuck it, it's wrestling. Exactly. And then, of course, um, the horsemen torture him by tagging in and out and hitting a diving headbutt into tombstone pile drivers, and then Mongo gets the win for the team, and you know, McMichael and Benoit end up getting the victory, and it was just it was just uninteresting. This was a very boring match that did nothing. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the WCW Cruiserweight title. Alex Wright defends the gold against Chris Jericho. Okay. This is a very compelling match with both men having the upper hand throughout the bout. They're a little bigger than traditional cruiserweights up to this point. But both could go in the ring. Jericho hit a lot of power moves and showed that his game was more than just being a high flyer. Wright was a lot better than I remember him being, and this match was a solid watch overall. Good fucking match. Great psychology. Good story. Honestly... If you're going to pick a match to watch out of this pay-per-view, this would be my pick. Alex Wright goes over, by the way. Yes, he does. And uh, what I loved is, you know, it was weird seeing a cruiserweight match with storytelling and mind games. And I wish modern-day cruiserweights would take fucking notes on that. Like... You can have a Cruiserweight-style match with storytelling and mind games. It is doable. I know people want you to think it's not doable, but it is. And the fact that they can do that and a lot of modern people can't is fucking pathetic. And I will continue to preach that. And I also like how at, throughout the match, um, Alex is trying to keep Jericho on the mat and not let him do his aerial moves. Another reminder of why I like this match. He's being realistic. You know, he's not, you know, if Jericho's gonna fly around the ring, he's gonna have to work for it. He's not just gonna sit there and go, I'll catch you. He's actually being like, No, you get the fuck back down here. We gon we gonna fight here. All right. You can indulge in your addiction with some other worker. Yes, be a spot monkey with somebody other than me. Exactly. And Jericho shows how great he is even back then. He's clearly over with this crowd. Uh, it's all about the win and drive a stake through the heart of the NWO. At one point, somebody said that, and I felt like I was the only one that pointed out, neither one of these guys are in the NWO, so I can't remember who said that, but whoever said that was a fucking idiot at the time because there was nobody in the NWO. Alex Wright's not in the NWO. Chris Jericho's not in the NWO. Neither one of them, to my knowledge, was ever recruited by the NWO. So that this, this was not the match to mention 
match in NWO. You could have did that in the match after this, but that was a stupid thing to say during this time. Okay? And I understand that announcers tell stories throughout the night, but could you relegate your story to the, the topic at hand? I, I don't think that's asking too much. Um, and then, of course, he picks him up, power bombs him, walks away, which that looked fucking stupid. I thought that was stupid in the match. Like, Jericho's yes, doing the... Yes, stupid as a motherfucker. Anyway, this is not the match that I would dwell on with that kind of shit. What you really need to think about is what's coming up next, which is... Yes, the next match of the evening, Six goes one-on-one against Ric Flair. Yes, what a shine for Six. He went from being, I mean, he went he went from being a low mid-card guy to being in the ring with fucking Ric Flair. He was on the offense for almost the entire match, and in typical Flair fashion, Flair sold like a million bucks. The leg drop off the top was a standout move, as well as him being able to hit Flair with a Bronco Buster. What a sight that was. Flair winning in that fashion is fine because it fits his character so well. The crowd was into everything Flair did. So, it seems like he is the most recognizable star besides Hogan at this point. By the way, Flair went over. Yes. And, of course, the DX foreshadowing I love throughout the night with uh, the, sh- the crotch chops from uh, Six. It's like an indication because like a year later, he's going to be in D-Generation X. So, I kind of love that. Uh, I also love the taunting mixed in with the wrestling as well. Like, Rick would um, chop him and start thrusting his pelvis and they would be, like, taunting each other. I like seeing that. It Not only does it give the wrestlers, like, a little break in between, but it also gets the crowd going. It, it gets them amped up throughout the match as you're building up the uh, the intensity. So I like that aspect. And, you know, he also does, you know, the combo kicks in the corner and the Bronco Buster. I love to see that we saw this these moves pre-X-Pac and post-123 Kid. It was nice to see Six still keeping his uh, traditional move set in check. Although, there was one thing I did notice where at one point Six did a stiff kick right in the mouth and Rick looked pissed. I got a feeling well, that was a potato. I know exactly what I know exactly what you're talking about, and that motherfucker was a hard kick that was stiff as a motherfucker. Yeah, I don't know if that was planned because Rick had that look on his face like we shooting motherfucker. That's how that that's that look I saw. Like cause I I don't know. I think I think six was a little too stiff on that one because that he looked pissed. And then of course at one point Rick's got a submission on. He doesn't break the five count, and the ref just yells at him until he breaks it. I put ref is way too fucking nice. Way too fucking nice. I hate that. Like if he's not breaking at five disqualify the motherfucker and if he gets mad that you disqualified him say you didn't break rick's a vet he knows better you look stupid if you keep letting rick just fucking stand there and not listen to you okay if if, if they get mad at you in the back for going off script tell them next time fucking listen to the ref that's what i would say maybe my exact words next time listen to the goddamn referee instead of styling and profiling like you own the goddamn place then, he hits a low blow, gets his feet up for the win. I know he's the dirtiest player in the game, but as a baby face, it felt weird to see that. I know Gator said it fit the gimmick, but it was weird for me to see. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got Diamond Dallas Page with Kimberly Page versus Kurt Henning. Okay, now this was a good match, but nothing spectacular. Page was starting his ascent to the top of the company at this point and actually got a better reaction than some of his peers on this show. Henning was a great worker as well and I feel like their styles worked well together. Two ref bumps might have been a little bit much but it is what it is. Flair interfering in the match, starting the the conversations by Henning becoming a member of the Horseman. That's the whole thing here. The story at the end is Kurt Henning gonna become a Horseman. Kurt Henning went over. Yes, 
Now, I did enjoy this match, aside from a few things. Um, I love how, like, Kurt kept preventing Dallas from getting in the ring until he tripped him and pulled him out of the ring just so he could get in. Once both men are in, the bell rings, and the fight begins. And what I love most about this match is that it was less of a wrestling match and more of a fight. Because that's what we need to see after what went down at Bash at the Beach, which is what we talked about last week's show. So you can, if you're confused on that, go listen to last week's Bash at the Beach 97 recap, and you'll know what we're talking about. But ultimately, that's why I wanted to see them has fight. And what I also was thought was weird was at one point Dallas is tossing Kurt around the ring by his hair. Now I'm not used to seeing the men do that. That's usually what the women do when they wrestle. So correct. That's a little bitchy. That's a little bitchy. Yeah. So I thought it was. I thought it was. I'm not used to seeing guys do that. Uh, I'm not really complaining about it. It just felt weird to see for a moment. Like okay, that's that's a new one from the guys. Uh, Kurt stalled and picked up an unconscious DDP. Um, fucking stupid. Made no goddamn sense. Like. When I'm seeing this, I was reminded. I'm reminded of like the story that uh, Jim Cornette told about how Loki was in a match, and by at the opening moment of the match, he hit a move and damn near knocked this guy out cold. And instead of just pinning him one, two, three, he tried to wake his ass back up and get the match going and then bury whatever badass look he gave himself. I kind of got that vibe when I saw DDP in the ring, unconscious, and Kurt Henning is just stalling and picking him up. It's like go for a cover. That looks stupid to me. And then, at one point in the match, Dallas gets busted open. Now, is thing. Earlier in the night, we had a Mexican death match with no blood. They get no blood, but this match has blood. Fuck that. Unless that was accidental and Dallas got busted open hard way, that's bullshit. Do you want the real story or do you want a bullshit? Real story. If you got it, get if you got the real story, give it. Hard way. Huh? Hard way. Okay, that's different then. All right. Because I was like, wait a minute. This match has blood, but the death match doesn't have blood. Hell, that was the only match on the card that needed blood was the death match, at the very least. And then I thought the finish was sloppy because I'm like, how was Dallas not able to kick out with all the time Kurt Henning was stalling? Like, I, it's one thing to build anticipation. It's another thing to, like, all right, at this point, anybody could have kicked out of the move at that point. So, I felt Kurt was being sloppy with the finish. So, outside of that, the match was decent, but it had a lot of pitfalls in it. That could have been better. And on that note, we are going to move on to the next match of the evening. We got The Giant versus Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth. Now, here's the thing. These two guys are legends, okay? This match was kind of a miss, though. It's not that they didn't try hard. There just wasn't much to do it. Savage got limited offense in, but he played it smart working the legs. This match was more of a way to keep... WCW versus NWO rivalry going, and the giant went over. Yes, and the mat and the match didn't take very long, nor did it need to. Not at all. It didn't have to. Here's the thing: when big men work the way that Paul White was working, it makes sense. The psychology of that, though, is that Randy needed to work the fucking legs, and it made it made sense. It's all about what would you do to chop down a giant? You chop down their legs. Exactly. And and, that, and and I put and when I wrote that, you know, Randy was working the legs. I put psychology. That's exactly what that was. Um, I also saw at one point uh, Randy does the trademark thing he does as a heel, where the baby face is coming at him and he puts Liz in front to kind of shield him, because apparently that's that's the kryptonite for wrestlers. Is um, all you gotta do is put a, a shield with tits in front of them and they just stare like deers in the headlights. That's Correct. that's the that's the new thing. And Giant was just like, I'm having none of this, and he. 
picked up Liz and like moved her out of the way. Didn't slam her, just picked her up, put her behind her, and went after Randy Savage. And I thought, I loved it. I love that spot. Finally, somebody that's like, fuck this shit. About goddamn time, if you ask me. And then at one point, the giant throws him back in the ring. Now, when I say the giant throws him back in the ring, I don't mean he picked him up and gingerly rolled him under the bottom rope. I mean, this some bitch gorilla pressed Randy and threw him over the ropes back into the ring. Fucking epic. That's one of the coolest things I've seen in wrestling in a long time, and that includes the modern shit I've been watching. That was fucking cool. I don't recall the big show ever doing that in WWE, but I hope if he ever gets in an AEW ring, he does that again. That was so cool. That was so beautiful. And then, of course, in the end, the Giant hits the choke slam on Randy, gets the one, two, three, and the Giant goes over. But those are the little things in the match that I enjoyed. And even though as a kid, this match would have probably bored me to death as a kid, as an adult, it's one of the most entertaining matches of the night for me. Because of how well they worked. And because good work in a ring is so hard to find these days. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the WCW Tag Team Titles. The Outsiders defend the gold against the Steiner Brothers with Ted DiBiase. Okay, now this is a very solid tag team match. Scott was isolated for the entire length of the match. The hot tag was great when he finally made it. Nash and Hall were pretty underrated around this time, and both of them worked as a team to perfection. This seemed like the third time the signers had won the tag team titles only to have them taken away on a technicality. All the repeat booking aside, this was a solid, solid, solid wrestling match. Yes, it was. Very much so. I mean, these guys had great tag team action. The chemistry between all of them was stellar. Um, Rick getting tagged in, does his trademark bark like he's a dog, you know, getting sicked on the opponents, which is great. Nash brought the fight. Scott gets tagged in, but the outsiders cut off the comeback. And what felt, the only thing that felt weird to see was Scott Hall hitting a choke slam. I've never seen him hit one. I don't, or I don't recall him ever hitting one beforehand. And that was just weird. Like, it felt weird. Like, I don't think he should be doing a choke slam. It just felt odd. Like, I would expect Nash to do that move over Scott Hall. I don't know why. It just felt weird. But then, of course, you know, Steiner's hit their finish, but Nash pulls him out of the ring. The ref rings the bell and DQs the champ so they don't lose their titles. And apparently, according to the commentators, the referee made a knee-jerk reaction. But in the end, uh, the Steiner brothers win, but they're disqualified, so they don't get the tag team titles. Yeah. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening for the WCW World Heavyweight title. Lex Luger defends the title against Hollywood Hogan. Now, now, this was a far cry from the match they had on Nitro. It probably had something to do with the difference in crowds. I have to ask the question, though. What was the use of changing the title if there is just going to change it right back? As I also said in my previous you know, situation when I was talking. I have talked about Nitro before, okay? Sting was supposed to win the title all along. So, this pit stop really doesn't make any sense besides taking a little away from it. I like the match, but there was something missing to make it better. It was very slow paced. It's just puzzling booking. It's stupid. It's just stupid. Also, you could tell it wasn't actually Sting. WCW would have tried a little harder on this one. Yeah, I, I for one, enjoyed the main event. 
Um, you know, Hogan taunts Luger throughout the match. Luger showing he's more powerful than Hogan. And I will say Luger had a much better physique if you looked at both men. So it made sense. Um, Hogan doing little things like working the arm, drop toe hold. At one point, he even uh, does a roll up, which I love because it shows the wrestling skills that he has that people try to pretend he doesn't have. So it was nice to see working in the ring, you know, more than just the stuff he normally does. And they take their time. They make every move mean something, which is what you want main eventers to do. That's what separates the top card from the mid card to the bottom card to the people who don't matter. Every move you do means something. And that's what made this era better than the current era when you hear people talk about it. Because when they, every move they does, it has a purpose. It means something. It is meant to get somebody to a direction, whether it's to get a victory, get people to hate you, get people to love you, get people excited, get people to calm down. Everything means something. And that's what made these guys the legends that they are today. And Hogan, not afraid to be a chicken shit heel, which is an easy way to get a baby face over. Hell yeah, being a chicken shit, some may not understand it, but I'm telling you, as the chicken shit heel, you will get a baby face over all fucking day. Literally, it's like when you got somebody that makes like the difference between, you know, regular grits and instant grits. It's like instant, boom, quick fast it's like it's like the difference between prime and prime now you know you can go through all these other random story things to get the baby face over or you can do something simple like no please don't hit me and boom he's over it took no effort to do that the reason the only reason it's difficult to do today is because no one wants to be the chicken shit everybody wants to be the tough guy and not every and there's the problem everybody cannot be the tough guy you can't all be tough guys and think you'll get over i had a friend ask me once well, what about all the guys in TNA? Well, look where TNA is now. Yep. I won't say the person's name, but Gator, you know the name of the person to try to use that argument. Uh, anyway. Oh, do I really? You know that person's name. Yes, I do. Is it somebody that that uh, I naturally wouldn't hate? No, he's, uh, let's just say, uh... Is he... it somebody that I naturally would be like, fuck? It wouldn't shock you if I told you the person's name at all. But, oh, but, but 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 not 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 natural in a nature boy way. No. But natural in a natural way. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Um are you are you chasing what I'm saying? Yes. I'm catching what you're ch- what you're chasing. Is am I on the right road? Yes. So you're on the right road. <laughs> Got it. Okay, got it. So, and then, of course, uh, the NWO interferes. Luger takes them all out, and it was Bagwell, Norton, Six, and Nash all interfering. Then Sting shows up, hits Luger with the bat, and then Hogan covers him. One, two, three. Hogan gets the win, um, and he couldn't celebrate and had to use the belt to protect himself from all the garbage being thrown at him from the Sturgis fans. Like, they were getting pelted after that match. And you can tell at one point, like, Hogan's like, oh, like, they're trying to do the whole thing with the four live and the posing, they're trying to play to the hard cam, but they're just getting hit with so much shit they finally had to fucking go and do like a backstage like interview because it's like they couldn't get they couldn't get the money shot in the ring because so many fans were just like fuck this and throwing shit. Right. 
Yes. I happened to catch that. And so overall, um, I thought overall this is a decent pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's I've seen worse. Yes, we've seen worse, and I'm sure we'll talk about worse in the uh, uh, in the, the upcoming future. future. Yes. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude um, this review of WCW uh, Road Wild. And uh, Gator, as always, I thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, make sure you guys uh, follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there. Or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you check out our latest episode, The Male uh, Soap Opera Moment, uh, where we gave our predictions for uh, WWE Extreme Rules. And also, we should be having our recap coming out later this week as well, provided that Wens is still on the ball. Also, you can also check our link to check out the uh, Pizza Baby merch uh, that I plugged on the uh, a few weeks back on AEW uh, during the AEW Dynamite recap. I have a link up there. Uh, we have for the Pizza Baby merch. You can go to storefrontier.com slash product slash Pizza Baby and get your Pizza Baby merch. We got t-shirts uh, for, we got unisex tees for the adults, t-shirts for the kids. Uh, we got hoodies, sweatshirts, tank tops, and baby onesies. That's right. You can get a Pizza Baby onesie for your Pizza Baby. Just go to storefrontier.com slash product slash Pizza Baby. By the, by the way, as a side note, I'm selling hot sauce. Uh, yes. Uh, Gators, uh, Gators also got his hot Mr. sauce. Mr. Bucciarelli, do you remember the pitch? Um, no, you haven't pitched them in quite a while. Okay, well, do your own go. Well, we got, um, Gators got three brands of hot sauce. I cannot remember the names of the flavors, but you can go, uh... They are! They are! The pussy, the we gonna get letters, and then the precipitation chamber go. Yes, yes, that's right. Because it's going to make you precipitate with sweat because it is so fucking hot. So make sure you guys go to Gator. Where can people go to purchase your hot sauce? You can go to my website, www.gatortherestler.com. All right. Go to gatortherestler.com. Pick up your hot sauce products. Also, uh, we'll, we'll get that link, put it up on the Facebook page as well. And uh, make sure you guys also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. We are just about finished with Dark Side of the Ring. I've got, I've got a bunch of videos already edited. I am currently in the process of editing one more. And then get and I with a possible third guest uh, we'll figure that out we'll be recording the last episode of Dark Side of the Ring and then I'll be editing that putting that out and all the Dark Side of the Rings will be done for now so be on the lookout for those videos coming very very soon like I said I got five of them already done one I'm in the process of editing and one more we got to record and edit so hit the subscribe button ring that bell to be notified on the Boochcast YouTube channel also make sure you guys follow us on Twitch go to twitch.tv 
TV slash the Boochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, November the 26th for the WWE Survivor Series. It'll be live at 8 p.m. with the new edition of War Games coming to the Survivor Series. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Uh, we're still figuring we're, we're still figuring out the kinks on location and everything else. But once we got it all figured out, uh, we'll let you guys know. But either way, there will be a watch party on Saturday 26 at 8 p.m. So be sure to check it out. Also, we got our live D&D show coming soon. Our Boochcast booking battle and another special treat. We just got final kinks. We got to work out on that. And uh, I got some time coming up soon where I'll be able to work on that. So it'll be coming to you yeah, all. And there. I'm gonna be in, I, and I'm going to be in Jessup, Georgia. So if you're not busy during, well, let, let's say the holiday month, uh, come come see me. Where, where, what, when, when and where are you going to be in Jessup? December the 10th is a Saturday. I'm going to be in Jessup, Georgia. All right. Don't miss it. Exactly. If you're in the Georgia yeah. area, go check that out. And um, for those of you, and I'll just bring this up, since for those of you who are in the South Carolina area uh, on that day, I will be at Eastside High School um, for the uh, Combat Pro Wrestling Presents Seasons Beatings. Uh, that's the show we were supposed to do on Saturday, September 24th, but it got rescheduled to the 10th. Uh, I want to get this quick announcement here. If you bought tickets to the show on the 24th, they will honor your tickets at the show on December 10th. As long as you can bring proof of purchase, you got free admission to that show. Everybody else will have to purchase their tickets. And we're still in the process of getting the roster redone, but we know uh, the Barbarian will be in the house. Yes, yes, yes. The Barbarian, a friend of the show. We yes. all love him. He'll be there, and I think he'll be taking on Randy Wayne. I believe it will be his opponent. And we've got a special guest that's going to be coming. And if you miss out on this special guest, all I can say is sorry about your damn luck. Oh, if that didn't just tell you that there's a storm coming, then that right there is is I mean you're an idiot. Exactly. So when I ha once I have the ticket information and everything else, I will make it known. But those will be the big events that Gator and I got. So all the Georgians out there, go to Jessup, Georgia for Gator's show. And if you're in South Carolina, come down to East Side High School for my show. So we got it's gonna be stellar. It's gonna be great. And we look forward to seeing you guys uh, there. So, and um, all that's left to say now is be sure to support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the option that works within your budget. We got the first level, which is 99 cents. That's $1 per month. That's for people who, you know, don't have a lot of money to spend, but still want to help us out. You know, it doesn't hurt you guys, but helps us out a great deal. And then we have the second level you can donate at. At, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there, you're not fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. But ever since they sold to the Peacock, y'all got nowhere to put that $9.99. It's just sitting in your bank account with nothing to do. So take that $9.99 and bring it over here to us because we got better content than the network and unlike all elite wrestling we actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want you have the option of paying with a credit card or with gpay now the best part is all the money we raise goes back into this show in some capacity 
We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So, do you have a favorite co-host? Do you believe these are to be paid for their hard work on this show? Well, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support, that's how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed uh, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles, although I'm seriously considering taking that away from him, and try to get him laid, which... I'm seriously considering not even trying anymore. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. And I'm the Gator, and I'll see you later, even though I sound like shit. Hopefully, I'll sound better by then. Goodbye. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. A la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>